Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Contemporary Christian music wouldn't be quite what it is today without my next guest on Open House. Stuart Townend is the man behind modern classics like In Christ Alone, How Deep the Father's Love, To the Power of the Cross, and many more. I so much look forward to this conversation about Stuart's music that's touched lots of us, his faith and a new phase in his musical life. He's kicked off a national concert tour around Australia this week and he's just literally flown in from the UK where he lives. Stuart Townend, welcome to Open House. Thank you very much, Lee. I'm so grateful for you coming in just off the plane. I tell you what, I can remember the exact time and place where I first stood and sang In Christ Alone and I do remember being arrested by it as a song. I'm not just saying it to you. As a song that stood out head and shoulders above so many other contemporary Christian songs. I'm wondering if you could take us through the process of how a song like that came together with Keith Giddy. Yeah, I, it's, a, it's a funny story in a sense because, um, uh, I mean, it's a song that I get more response about than all the other songs I've written put together. Yes. Um, and so something has happened with that song and I realised that. Although the process of writing it wasn't particularly special or didn't feel particularly special. It was, it was interesting actually because I had just met Keith. I'd just had a coffee with him. A mutual friend had brought us together. And uh, I didn't really know much about him. I knew his musical background was really different to mine because mine was more of... There was, a, a, there was elements of classical but mainly was more of a pop genre that I was in. Uh, but he was much more classical and worked with orchestras and stuff and so we met and he said oh, I'll send you some melodies and he sent me a CD that arrived in the post a few days later and the first melody I listened to I just thought there's a real there's a grandeur about it yes. there's a singableness about it and I just thought there's something really special and it needs it had a sort of a timeless slightly Celtic but a timeless kind of feel to it and I just started writing lyrics, thinking about, you know, trying to encapsulate through the uh, story of the birth, life, death, resurrection of Christ, what that means for us. And uh, so the words just started to come and, and it just developed. And I think sometimes you do begin to get quite excited or even quite emotional when you're yes, writing. Yes. And as each verse came through, it just felt like it's, it was just coming together. And uh, so it's strange because that's our first co- first of many collaborations, but it's the f- your first collaboration. <laughs> Pretty good start. So, yeah, downhill from now on, I reckon. That's <laughs> yes. where it's going. Did that melody have to have that message? I think there was a there was a, a an enduring sense of the melody. I think people write some. You hear lots of fantastic melodies. I mean, yeah. the pop world is full of great hooks yes. and people writing great things that actually people love singing. And uh, that's true in the Christian world as well. But I think sometimes you come across something that has it has a strength to it. It has a depth to it. It has an accessibility to it because, uh, you know, I find that song could be done, you know, by a contemporary band playing it and yes. getting the heights of the of the the melody and stuff and really kind of encapsulating that. But it could be done with a choir and, a, and an organ. So I think there was a breadth to it, a kind of a classic breadth to it that felt like actually if if this melody is going to be used different places then you really do want to home in on what is at the core of the gospel and so hopefully you know it becomes an enduring song because of that breadth and depth they're very large messages and significant messages in that song for the relative simplicity of the lyrics yeah and i think that's that's important i mean i think one of the elements of it 
that I think is at the core of the song is some of the song is description. It's describing what Jesus did. So it's actually not a an emotional reaction to, you know, what we think, you know, God is like or just exploring that. It's not it's not so much an experience song. It's more going through the actual facts of Jesus life and death. So you're stating that and then saying because of those facts, those unchangeable facts, this is what this means for my life. Yeah. So there is no guilt in life. There is no fear in death. Not because I'm doing successfully as a Christian, not because I'm doing really well or I feel really good about it, but simply and purely because of what Christ has done. I can say that is true of me because it was true of him and what he did. So there's a kind of solidity to it, I think, that is really important for us to grasp when we go through the struggles of life. That actually there is at the core, it's about not how well I'm doing, it's about what he has done for me. Yes. Like lots of writing, I expect it takes quite a bit to work up to it and a fair bit of discipline to get going. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I'm not a very disciplined person. So actually getting started on songs I find really difficult. Yes. But I do try and take a serious approach to it. So, you know, quite often if I'm writing a song on my own or if I'm writing a song with Keith or with others, um, particularly with Keith, we'll sit down and say, you know, what is this song going to be about? He writes lots of melodies and I listen to his melodies. I pick up one or two and say, okay, I'm going to go away and work on them. But before I do, I talk, we talk together about what the song might be about and and if we kind of home in on a particular theme then i get my bible out i use you know my online you know bible reference and and get all the verses about it and meditate on them and think through them so you get a fuller picture of uh, of what the bible says about a particular theme and i think that gives you the kind of foundation then to begin to explore you don't have to like all his melodies in fact you don't like all his <laughs> melodies how's that work um, we've got to a place where we're comfortable with it. Uh, I mean, he does, he often jokes that, you know, he comes to me feeling, you know, really quite upbeat and then leaves a broken man because he will bring, you know, 12 or 14 melodies. Yes. And I probably, I, I kind of like sit through most of them and go, hmm, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. And he gets the message. That You're a hard not, man. Well, it, well, but it, actually it's really good for both of us because yes. he critiques my lyrics as well. And I think, you know, I think we both appreciate we want to keep up a standard here. So we're, we're trying to push each other as much as possible to make sure that it's something that really is going to be useful to the church and be useful to the church for a long period of time. Your music is quite distinctive in an era of contemporary Christian music, which is often electric yes. and edgy and rocky. Yours has been described more as modern hymns. Yeah. Why is that? Um, some of it is a conscious decision. I mean, I don't... I, I, I like modern rock music sure. you know i you know listen to some of it and um you know enjoy it and i think there is a place for that um i think one of the motivations i have is actually music is a very powerful thing and it's a, and it's a wonderful thing and he's and god has given us a breadth of music yes. to enjoy so sometimes my frustration is that when we often talk about worship music or you know worship albums or whatever we have a particular musical style in mind because the vast majority of the albums that come out sound in that sort of you know soft rock kind of way there's no reason why worship music should sound like just like that yeah. there should be a range of things so actually i'm exploring much more of a kind of folk tradition mm. i also think as well though that actually the contemporary sound 
is appealing and is useful but actually some of it is not as melody driven and i think when we talk about songs that we sing as congregations uh, we want something that has strong melodies and the hymn tradition often does that it's very melody led the melody is the distinctive and central theme in it and that's true actually of folk music as well often the melodies are really really strong and i think so we're approaching it from the point of view of understanding that actually this is a very good genre good way of approaching it to really think about melodies work hard at melodies make them really singable really memorable and uh, go from that basis as well, the other thing that's true is that actually then these songs can get sung by a broad range of church traditions yes. so it's actually accessing a much wider part of the church uh, through going for something that perhaps is a little more classic or is a little more folk and tradition. yet it doesn't underestimate the power and the force and the importance of what it says because these songs can be a profound educational tool yeah. and memory tool. And I think that is a really important part of understanding what role songs play in the life of the congregation, but also in the life of the individual, because songs are very memorable. Hopefully good songs are memorable. So actually people tend to carry the songs with them into daily life you know if you stand at you know the the church door at the end of a church service on a sunday morning people are more likely to be going out humming and singing the songs than they are to be reciting the sermon yes, so yeah, they're actually yep. holding on to these things so actually if you can take truth and you know put it into a song this is going to be something that actually is more likely to become part and parcel of that person's um, life because they will live with that song that song will come to mind through the week and that's why I think it's important that we don't just sing songs that say I love you Lord although that's great that we do that we actually sing songs that speak the truth that are actually going to feed into our daily life yes. and remind us when we're in the challenges that we all have of life from day to day and week to week that um, the truth of the gospel as captured in a song is actually going to help us and sustain us through that when you say you've been in your folk phase we're going to hear a bit of your music in just a moment how would you describe that in words the folk tradition is quite um it's very singable it's, it's very acoustic sounding um the particular song um uh, the song Vagabonds that, that we're going to hear uh, actually is a bit of a new direction for me because I think alongside thinking of all the songs that have been that I've written so far or co-written so far um, I'm also interested in trying to write songs that actually will speak to those people who perhaps aren't from a church tradition at all songs you know that have words that will mean something to someone who is not a churchgoer to someone who doesn't share our faith and I think you know songs are a wonderful way of communicating the truth of the gospel the problem is quite often we get stuck in a particular language that we as Christians Christians understand but it's not understood outside the outside the church so I found myself in situations where I thought you know with non-Christians and thinking I'd love to sing a song now but they won't understand what I'm talking about because yes. there's too much of the Christian jargon that we understand and that we love but actually doesn't make sense to them so I've tried to push the boat out here a little bit to actually understand uh, and help people to understand what the truth of the gospel is to someone who doesn't have that church background. It's a great mission. On Open House we're with Stuart Townend, who's here for a series of concerts through this week around Australia. Stuart, can you remember your earliest musical memory? Hmm. We're mm. going back a long way, Lee. <laughs> um, I suppose one of the earliest musical memories, I, I, I've got three older brothers, two of whom played instruments. So um, 
I remember very early on playing music with them and we'd kind of sing harmonies together and do that kind of thing. Um, and uh, I remember I had classical piano lessons from a relatively early age, about six or seven. And uh, I used to kind of go to the piano lessons, really hate them like a lot of people do. Yes. And as soon as I came home, I'd leave all the classical books down at the, the foot by the, the piano stool and I would get my Beatles book out and yeah. start playing Beatles songs. And so I kind of remember doing that. Uh, I eventually did fall in love with classical music actually as a teenager and I, I actually found that you know Debussy or Chopin was absolutely beautiful music yes. but I perhaps wasn't old enough to, to appreciate it. You were growing up very much in the Beatles and post-Beatles kind of era. Were yes. they the main kind of musical influences? Oh on gosh. Um, no, there was a mixture of things. I remember... Um, See, because I was slightly post-Beatles. So I was seven when the Beatles split up. So I was seven in 1970. Um, but I was quite into David Bowie and uh, Stevie Wonder a little later on Me I got too. into. <laughs> and uh, just used to love all that, all that stuff. But I also remember hearing, and this is where another kind of Christian influence came in, um, very early on hearing uh, uh, an album by Andre Crouch and the Disciples. So it's this gospel thing. And I went to see them, I remember, up in this event. And I was blown away by the, just the joy of church for, the, for these people. And it was church, but it was incredibly good music and amazing uh, gospel piano and stuff. And I just I remember being inspired by that and trying to incorporate some of that kind of freedom into, into my piano playing. What a wonderful experience. You grew up with a dad as a vicar. Yeah. Did you grow into the Christian faith through that or was there one particular event or series of events that drew you into the faith? Yeah, I, I, I think my experience is probably one that is shared by a lot of people brought up in a Christian home. I, I really value my upbringing. I value the fact that I could see that my parents had a real faith, that it wasn't just a, um, you know, a church-going ritual or, or a living <laughs> for my dad because he, he was a vicar. Yes. Um, it was actually, I could see something real about it. And I think from an early age, I had an awareness of God um, and I knew the Bible quite well from an early age. I would say there were particular marks and points in time where I go yes that was a big leap forward for me in my faith for example I remember when I was 13 or 14 and a visiting evangelist had come to to speak at the church and and I remember him speaking and and the way he was speaking about his relationship with God and uh, about the truth of the gospel I remember feeling do you know what I'm I'm on the outside looking in that's not true for me Right now, and just you know that kind of thing. That's not to discount what had happened before, because I think we're all on a journey yes. of faith. And uh, I remember at that point being challenged, and that was a moment for me, for me to say, "I'm going to give my life to Christ." And I remember my response then. And uh, that can be hard, actually, for somebody brought up in a Christian home to admit that actually yes. you're not there yet, yeah. and uh, you've got a, you know a long way to go. And um, so I remember that that being a particular point. Then I remember you know other occasions at age 18 where where there was a real sense of renewal of my my relationship with Christ, and again that had a radical uh, effect on on my Christian life, and just I felt drew me much closer to knowing God. It wasn't until university days that you actually began to write songs. Yeah, I'd never thought about writing worship songs. I'd never been particularly interested in what we 
call you know worship in other song worship in church and um so it was actually when i went to university and uh, got involved in a local church down in brighton on the south coast of england and uh, a good friend of mine called dave fellingham a good friend now he um he drew me into to playing in the in the worship team in the music team at church and i just began to develop a real love for it and then he encouraged me to get more involved in leading you know standing at the front and helping to lead the songs and uh, it kind of just developed from there. And I remember as I was going on I, I, and leading more and more, there'd be times when we'd be leading, I'd think, oh, it'd be great for us to sing, you know, a particular thing now. It'd be great for us to focus in on this part of the Christian faith right now. And I can't think of a song that does it. So the leading, in a way, fed the music and yes, the songs. Exactly. Yes. And so, you know, when I said that to Dave, Dave said, well, why don't you write something? <laughs> you know, if you've got something to say, then write it. And it just developed that way. And uh, yeah, so in in that sense, it came out of a sense of, you know, what we as the body of Christ want to say to to God as we stand before him in worship. Can I put this to you? When you look at lots of the great and grand old hymns and you learn what went on in the lives of the hymn writers, Mm -hmm. many of those hymns are so often born out of the rich and deep earth of suffering. Yes. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of those sort of songs and music in contemporary Mm. Christian songs. I think that's true. And I think there's a danger that we can get quite stuck, particularly because of the ubiquitous nature of the songs that we're singing. And they get everywhere. And then people think, oh, that's a great song. I'd like to write a song like that. So in a sense, you get a lot of copying or imitating, which is no bad thing in itself. But actually, I think what we've done is we've created a genre where there is a particular feeling and vibe there's a kind of thing we want to construct by a song that we sing in in our times of song worship um and yet it's not that people are suffering less in their christian lives than they were in previous generations we're just not thinking actually that this is something that should be expressed in the context of worship and that should come out of our suffering so we're not necessarily writing that way and yet it's really important that we do that so what we're getting is we're getting a bit of a a gulf between the uh, kind of thing we're singing and experiencing and talking about in our churches and real life yes and uh, I think that's a that's a sad situation and a dangerous situation in a way if you look at the Psalms you'll see that Psalms express the the breadth of human experience of joy of wonder at who God is of frustration of questioning why God isn't intervening in situations and actually I think our sung worship should encapsulate all of that and in that sense there's an authenticity that comes into our expression of worship that isn't just about an experience on Sunday but is about our response of worship through the whole of life through the highs, through the lows, through the great joys but also through the suffering and the questions that that we all do have and that we all do experience and I think that needs to find a voice in our corporate worship To be just a little bit more real Yeah yeah. I think absolutely Can you take us into the Kingsway community out of which so much of this music and musicians and especially writers have emerged over the last four decades now it's quite a story it is and i i feel very privileged not only to have been involved in that community as a writer but actually for a number of years i worked in the publishing side of kingsway so uh, at a time when when kingsway was really trying to not be a record company and produce artists but actually try and find 
resources and package resources in a way that was useful to the church so it wasn't just kind of making albums that sounded good it was making sheet music and song books that could go into the churches and would be helpful and doing seminars and workshops to try and help people help local musicians serve their local church through what they did and I met some wonderful people and grew incredibly I think through um you know what other people who had more experience and more maturity than me spoke into how to nurture and how to help um, this whole process of feeding and equipping the local church it's work very much in community isn't it it is and I think it is very relational I think it's very uh, important that 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 is nurtured and that we don't lose sight of that and that we go off in a direction where we actually start thinking about artists and fame and success and I think what Kingsway down the years has managed to do is to remember actually it's not about individuals it's often about songs it's about songs and hymns that can help the local church and that's been its focus and I think as a result I think God has blessed it with providing some wonderful songs actually from many many writers down the Years. Sure has. So here in Australia for just this week, kicked off in Sydney, from there, Brisbane, Perth, Adelaide and Melbourne. What should people expect to hear and experience? We are uh, working together with Emu Music and uh, it's great that we've got Philip Percival uh, with us who's going to do some songs and then I'll be doing some songs. I brought a couple of musicians. We'll be working with some local musicians as well. Um, I want to... Um, I want us to sing some of the songs that I've written together. I want to talk a little bit between songs about how those songs came about, why I think the message of those songs is important. Hopefully people will learn some new songs as well. And I hope that it inspires people, first of all, to to engage with God and to worship him. Um, I'd like to think that they might take those songs back and use them in their local churches. And I just hope that it kind of takes the... Um, takes the scales from our eyes again to to realize the wonder of what God has done for us in Christ and how we can live day to day by that truth and know uh, the grace of God in our lives sustaining us and keeping us through all that. That's what I hope people see during the evening, but I hope it's not just an experience for an evening. I hope actually that people carry it with them into their daily lives and it makes a difference. So to give people a flavor of your distinctive music, you've chosen Come All You Vagabonds for us to play. Tell us about the style of music and what it's saying yes well it's saying something about uh, how God calls us in um, from whatever background from ever whatever we feel about ourselves um, no matter how close or how far we feel from God that actually his message is to the whole world to come in and I think that's a message that the church has not been very successful at communicating I know certainly in my my local area in Brighton on the south coast of England if you ask people what they know about church one of the things they would say would be that it's a place where where you would be judged if you come in it's an exclusive place it's a place where you know people believe certain things and reject those who don't believe believe that that's actually not the message of the gospel the message of christ is all are welcome to come in you are not disqualified from coming to christ and i think that's an important message to get in so this song tries to say that and tries to pinpoint particular people or particular attitudes or whatever and says no come to the feast come because you're welcome to the to the feast it's done in a kind of a, a a kind of an indie folk kind of style it's got kind of 
you know, a little bit of uh, different elements to it. And it is, it's a bit of a wild song. It's in a, a celebration, way. really. It is. Actually. It's a celebration yeah. song. It's a bit like, um, I remember we had in mind the, uh, if people know the, the fairy tale of New York uh, song that's often you hear uh, at Christmas. And uh, so it's got that sort of wildness about it. But in that sense, it's, it's the sort of song that I hope we could sing in church at any time of uh, of the year but also you actually you could go into you know a bar or something and play yes, people as well let's have a listen Stuart Tannen it's been a great treat meeting you and speaking with you thank you so much for joining us on Open House thank you very much Lee and this has come all you vagabonds
We hope you enjoyed this open house podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.